1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert
0: on the field in the broadcast booth. Ron Johnson is
2: Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now.
0: Welcome to the Ron Johnson show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. And on today's show, we're going to bring a new segment for you. It has a little bit to do with hockey. How long do I think that the person or the subject should spend in the penalty box? Is it two minutes? Is it five minutes? Or, ah, skate on also daily three that's three minutes three or sorry three questions three minutes each and of course we got to talk Timberwolves I mean (laughs) what else should we talk about now there are the twins we saw what happened with them in the the Tigers and I'm from Detroit and so before I get started I want to bring in Sam extra my producer Sam there's a lot going on in Minnesota right now you got hockey that's relevant you got basketball that's relevant you have baseball making plays well or tigers not making plays and you have football the draft i mean i'm on sports overload i just looked at my calendar for thursday friday saturday and sunday i'm not going to be getting to sleep until probably midnight every single night and i'm up early to do the show except for on the weekends And so when I when I started to think about that and the time and just exhaustion, that it took me back to the Timberwolves. I mean, because I'm going to be doing draft shows and all this other stuff. But I thought about the Timberwolves, and I'm like, what could possibly be going on with the Timberwolves? You you have a team that you know what John Morant's gonna do. You have a team that you know what's coming next. You have a team that there's only two real shooters, and that's Dylan Brooks and uh bane and somehow you lose 111 to 109 you are actually up by 10 with about what five minutes and 43 seconds to go and you just have a meltdown you tie the game at the end with a big three from anthony edwards great play design by chris finch great pass as well the bounce pass to the corner that was that was crazy good and then anthony edwards like it's like the stock exchange up and down you trail John Morant versus just letting him stay in front of him, make him catch it at the top of the key, make him dribble and have to shoot or just put his head down. But the fact that he was able to go with a full head of steam, it's one of the most athletic, if not the most athletic player right now in the NBA, when it comes to just jumping out of his body. I mean, he has a 44 inch vertical, like 44 inch vertical at 6'3. That's ridiculous. I saw a stat that said his jumping is the equivalent as far as space, height, is the equivalent of Clint Capella, who has like a 30-something-inch vertical. And I think he's given up like seven inches to a Clint Capella who's about 6'10". That's crazy to think about that. And so, Sam, my question to you, Sam, is 82% of the teams that win game five 82% 82% of the teams that win Game 5 go on to win the series. Not in Game 6, so it could go to 7, but they go on to win the series. Now, 18% of the teams did win, so there is a chance. But do you think the Timberwolves I, – I, I personally, I, I still think there's a chance. Like, I, I, my emotions want to tell me it's over, but they're coming home and they have a chance in Game 6 with the home crowd, and I'm hoping they watch him and learn from their mistakes, but do you think they have a chance?
2: I think it's over. I, I think 82% is about right. I think the the Grizzlies have about an 82% chance to wrap this thing up. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be in six. I think the Wolves have a chance to bounce back and win this game to to force game seven. But I don't love the Wolves' chances on the road in that seventh game. I When you have two opportunities in a series, up by 26, you lose. Up by 13, you lose. You don't come back from that. Not against a two-seed. You know, maybe if it were reversed – if the Grizzlies were the seven, um, maybe it'd be different. But this is a, a really good Grizzlies team. And, and, Ron, they got lucky yesterday that they could overcome three awful quarters. The Grizzlies couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Morant was bad. They were in some foul trouble. And they still won that game with a big fourth. Morant absolutely won it for them, put the team on his back. Um, the Grizzlies are eventually going to play a more complete game. I mean, they've had some pretty incomplete performances in this series, and and still won. Um, now, what if they start playing well? Actually, that that would be my concern. I've got a hard time believing the Wolves can put it together for two more games. I mean, I, I think maybe Game Six, it's a, it's a possibility, but on the road in Game Seven, I I'm losing hope, Ron.
0: Yeah, and if I were to tell you, the Timberwolves won the field goal percentage battle, 44 to 41. They won the three-point percentage battle by a large margin. They doubled the amount of made three-pointers. 14 they made, seven was only made by the Grizzlies. Grizzlies 25%. The Wolves were 42% from three. That's crazy. Then you look at the free throws. 21 of 24, 87% for the Timberwolves. 26 of 39. We saw John Moran early struggle with free throws. We saw other players struggle. At one point, I think it was like, they had, they had 12 more free throws taken than the Timberwolves and only had made three more and it finished the same way. They had 15, they ended up with 15 more free throws given to them, 15 more free throws given to them. And they only made five more, like they only came out five points ahead. If you were to tell me, I'm gonna give you 15 more free throws than somebody else, I would expect you to have more than a five point lead on that number and so the fact that the timberwolves won in every single category listed every single one blocks they were tied here's the ones that killed the timberwolves turnovers 22 to start the game we know they had like i think i tweeted it was like four possessions or five possessions and three turnovers just bad passes but like that's why every single drive every single play every single Handoff every single shot in the playoffs counts. Like, I constantly tweet these videos of like dumb plays, and that's what Charles Barkley's talking about. 42 rebounds, mainly offensive, offensive rebounds. The Grizzlies, 18, the Timberwolves, six. It's too much standing around watching the ball get shot for the Timberwolves. Like, it's almost as if they assume, one, they're going to make it, or they're just poorly coached. And I'm not saying Chris Finch is a bad coach. He's gotten them there. But his in-game playoff mentality, I don't know how you tell them. Like, I don't know if you have a coach. And I'm pretty sure they do have a coach with the stat book. That at some point in the half, he said, hey, we're losing the offensive rebound battle 10-2. to At some point, you have to, like, yell at the guys. Throw a chair. I mean, uh, Bobby Knight, that thing like get do something get the guys going like you have to go and crash the offensive boards and that's where the Grizzlies it was like shot after shot the Grizzlies miss and every time it felt like they were either knocking it back out to a guy or just out hustling it was one time where I think McLaughlin and I don't know who was standing next to him both could have got the offensive rebound both just let it bounce and I think Tyus Jones grabbed it like it didn't even, like, it wasn't even a high. Re- it was just a bouncing ball that two guys running towards the ball assumed the other one was going to take it, and Tyus Jones got it, or somebody. Like, stuff like that cannot happen. And that's that's what really I feel like the meltdown was the hustle, the smart plays. On a fast break one time, and, yes, there were two guys in the basket, Beasley takes, like, a pump fake shot. Guy goes flying by. He sidesteps to the left and jacks up a three, air balls it. All they have to do is take three or four dribbles towards the basket, shoot a nice easy jumper or a basket off the glass for two. Now the game's tied. And, um, and I mean hindsight being 20-20. He gets those two points. It's 111-111. It's or maybe you're up at the end and John Moran is a little bit more, and I talk about that tight sphincter. Maybe he's a little bit tighter. And, and that's that's that for me, Sam, That's that's what really gets me is the ill-advised shots uh, the lack of hustle. When they started the game, they just didn't seem energized at all as if this wasn't a must-win game. You know, it was almost like, yeah, we won game four. I told you we was going to win. We're going to win game five. Like, for me, it can't happen. And as we go on to the rest of the show, you know, we're going to talk hockey. We're going to talk twins. We're going to talk a little golf even. Uh, we're going to get into this, though. I mean, the NFL draft's coming up. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. But coming up next, we're going to debut a new segment, but before we do that, make sure you check out the other daily show on locked on sports, Minnesota. It's superior sports talk with Kara Levins, sports director, Reggie Wilson, and his producer, Luke Inman here, Reggie and Luke go back and forth about the latest in Minnesota sports five days a week, find it on the locked on sports, Minnesota, YouTube channel, or wherever you get your podcast feeds. Well, here we go. New segment. I don't know what you call it for hockey. I know it's the penalty box, two-minute major, two-minute minor, five-minute major, but I like it. Major or minor, Sam, take it away. You got it. Um,
2: Did you see the bottom of the ninth at Target Field last night? The Twins go in down 4-3. They've got a couple guys on base, Miguel Sanoa at the plate, hits one off the right fielder's glove. So there's blunder Mm. number one. Um, and then the ball comes into the infield. Twins are stuck between the Bates paths. Catcher throws it a mile over the third baseman's head into left field. Blunder number two. Two-run score, the Twins win. Uh, what, does, what kind of penalty does Detroit's defense
0: deserve? Well, Detroit is now in the top five worst cities to date, and now they are also in the, like, bad news bears category of stupidity. Like, you have to blame it on the catcher. Now, right fielder, make that catch, jump up a little higher, make the catch, stop it. But once you have the guys running around the base path, completely confused, just let them go. Like I've always been taught, make them go back to their base. Now, that's the problem. As they're going back to their bases, just live to fight another day. Live to fight another, You're not going to throw that guy out live to fight another day, let the bases get loaded. And of course, I'm talking from a Detroit sports fans uh, thought process. I know the Twins fans are happy he's an idiot, but you have to just let them go back to third, let him go back to second, let him go back to first. Now, what I was not sure of, was there two outs or one out in that point? uh,
2: There's one out.
0: Yeah. one out. So the fact that there was one out, there's no, unless, cause I get the, trying to get the guy in the rundown. If you can, cause the guy on the, so if there is two outs, for instance, and you sacrifice the run to tie it and this is where it gets dicey now you're trying to get that other guy in the rundown on second and third between second and third to try to get him out and then at that point now you're you're playing for you know extra innings and I, and I don't know if they're going to do that put a man on second deal uh right now or if that was just you know when it was a yeah they still, or okay. they still do whatever okay so international rules international overtime or extra uh innings rules um You can play that way or just say, look, we have the, we're winning four to three. Let's load the bases because now there's already been a hit. Let's leave them loaded. Now, any base, any base is an out. We can possibly turn a double play because if a pitcher is on point and he's throwing to where he's supposed to throw and if his coach is saying this batter, put it here, keep it out of this zone, you know, let's put it left corner, lower left corner. That's going to force him to, you know, jam. If he's a right-handed batter, it's going to jam him up. He's going to put it on the ground. We can turn a double play. Game over. That's what the Tigers should have done. It was a dumb play. That's a five-minute major for me. See, I I think the
2: throw itself is a five-minute major. Awful, awful throw. Wasn't even close. He, like, kind of a short arm, flipped it over his head. Just really, really bad. I, I don't hate the decision to make the throw, because I, I don't think you can willingly accept bases loaded one out. I, I think you have to try to get that out. Now, it does get messy, because then if the runner on third starts dancing down the line, then you're throwing it from second to home, or you're you're trying to handle multiple rundowns at once, and bad stuff can happen. Um, but I think you have to try to get one out there, get two outs then on the board, keep the run off the board, and uh, and then take your chances with the next batter. I'm not sure who that was going to be. Um okay. I, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two-minute minor. I'm gonna go two-minute minor. The throw itself was awful, but the decision I'm okay with. D'Angelo Russell gets the ball after Morant's three. The Wolves are down by one. D'Lo plays hero ball. He dribbles around the uh, the three-point line. He penetrates. Has like a fadeaway bank shot attempt. Not even close. And uh, the Grizzlies went up by three after the free throws. So, uh, what did you think about D'Angelo Russell's heroic effort to uh, try to win that game toward the end?
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so for me, again, I've always talked about D'Lo, you know, shooting a shot, being a part of the game. Um, you have to look at the flow of the game, though. I, I think he totally, and again, this goes back to Charles Barkley. That was just a dumb play. He totally missed what was going in the game. Anthony Edwards was hot. 22 points was was absolutely can get to the basket anytime he wants. Carl Anthony Towns, if you do that play where he comes up to the top of the key, you use him, you pass it to him, see what your guys gonna do. They might try to double let Carl use his butt like he did before to set the pick as you run around him. And then he can possibly dump it to you for an easy layup, get into your offense, and that's my problem with that. So I'm gonna go. I am gonna go two minute minor. Why? Because they do need D'Angelo Russell to do it. He had eight assists, twelve points. Um, he was playing a pretty decent game. He had not done. I mean, a couple. One of the threes he took, I thought he shouldn't have taken because he just was throwing it up. But that's his game. Because um, at the same time, he did that hot potato three and he made it. So with D'Lo, you take the good with the bad. That's the facts of life. Um, the thing I think most about the overall though that that stretch slow it down like slow it down you know what you need out of this you have to be able to give it to Carl Anthony Towns only down one you need the layup you need a play like that to me and I get it you want I think it was like 25 seconds so I think the thought was let's hurry up and get up a shot possibly you know get if we miss it we still have time to get the rebound and put it back up I just think at that point there was nobody really under there to re- – like it wasn't set where guys were ready to rebound. Uh, you got to kind of get your your play set so everybody knows what's going on. If if you're going to lose it, maybe lose it with you taking the last shot and giving the Grizzlies no time. Like that – and that didn't work either. We gave them three seconds. But that, that I just think there could have been a better opportunity there, a better play there. Um where it should have it should have gone through Anthony Edwards or 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 Carlithy Towns, but yeah, that's why I give it a minor a two uh, two minute minor.
2: Yeah, I, I give it the five minute major, honestly. I look at <laughs> at um the quality of the shot. You know, if it had been a good look, then I'm I'm okay with it because even though Russell wasn't having the best game, he still can hit those shots. But a contested fadeaway mid range when you don't even give Towns and Edwards the opportunity to attack um i think that in that situation you try to get to the basket or try to get to the basket kick it out for an open look at three um Mm -hmm. there was just no ball movement on the possession and i think edwards is probably the the third option there it's got to be cat number one it's got to be edwards number two or vice versa um but russell taking it into his own hands there i didn't like five minute major okay Mm -hmm. all right golf question ron so Here's the backstory for those that, that aren't familiar. Phil Mickelson made some pretty controversial comments a couple months ago about uh the Saudi Golf League, which is this heavily financed league trying to lure big players away from the PGA tour. He basically said that, yeah, the Saudis are, you know, scary people, but I'm gonna join this league and try to make a statement to the PGA tour. Well, he is after some time off from the tour, he has officially filed to play in this new Saudi golf league. So is Mickelson's decision, Ron, is it a, a five minute major, two minute minor, or no penalty?
0: Uh, I'm gonna go five minute major for a few reasons. You can't just call people scary. Like, come on now. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> there's bad people everywhere. Like, you can't just call it, that's like saying, you know, the US, because of all the, 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 the mass shootings and all this stuff, oh, man, I, I'm not going to a high school, man, in, in Colorado. It's scary out there. Like, you can't just do that. That that one there for me got me to start it. Two, no one person is bigger than the league. Now, Tiger Woods, I kind of see it. But this is the thing. Golf still is going on. Guys are still getting paid. Purses are still getting big. Are they as big as some of the ones tiger bought because of the amount of sponsors and the number of viewers and all that crap? No, no, we haven't seen that since tiger, but the money still happened. The FedEx cup still goes on golfers are still out there. Everybody's still excited about the majors for Phil Mickelson to think like it's going to change. Now, this is the one thing I will say. If you, if you look at the NCAA, Mark Emmert is retiring after 12 years or stepping down after 12 years because in the comment is what got me, because the scope of the direction of this NIL is not what we kind of set up and not what we have, what we were doing. And they need to find somebody to take them into this next world of NCAA, which is how do we monitor these players? Everybody's always said the NCAA was a horrible um, ownership, I guess you want to call it. The way they monopolized players, the way they got greedy rich, off the backs of these players and, and and athletes that weren't getting paid. Now, yes, free school, great, but what people don't understand is the amount of time that goes into that free school. If you do the hours, and somebody broke it down before, it, it it's the the amount of money you get for free school versus the amount of time you have to put in. Um, is it worth it? Who knows? Now, guys going to the NFL, guys going to the NBA, girls going to the WNBA, uh, girls going to play, you know, USA softball you know olympic track all that stuff but there's not a ton of money in there for everybody like there's one percent of less than one percent of the people make it to the pros so they're going out and having to get jobs you know do they have the skills already set so when i when i look at phil mickelson saying he's bigger than that i you know i i think it it looks at that like what it's 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 almost assuming that it's not going to go without you like the ncaa Like, if Mark Emmert were to change this, the NCAA is not going to go. It's going to go. The the, the golf is going to go. Like, is it going to change players looking at other leagues now maybe? Yeah. Is the PGA going to have to maybe listen to the players a little more? Possibly. Is Phil Mickelson going to start a revolution? Probably not. I don't think there's going to be a ton of golfers. They're going to want to jump leagues. Um, I think – and you, you, you kind of pointed this out. I think it's money. I think it's greed. I think they're giving them the right dollar amount because they're trying to get people to watch their league now. Uh, when Phil Mickelson enters into their arena, uh, their viewership is going to increase because he is a big U.S. name. He's a big golfer name around the world. Um, maybe a couple guys will follow, but I don't think it's going to be this huge shift um, in the near future. Now, maybe in the future when, you know, like I said, if, if 10 golfers get together, say, man, let's all go join this league. They're going to pay us X. And then I could see the Saudi league trying to set up something with the PGA to say, we're going to have a playoff kind of like the, you know, the U S versus other countries uh, with the Ryder cup. I could see that. I could see that happening. Um, But yeah, I I think Phil Mickelson is all about the money. He's all about himself. Uh, This has nothing to do with changing it overall. It's Hey, they offered you a ton of money. Take it. Nothing wrong with that. I'll never count a man's money. I'm going to say, but I still, still say for the comments, it's a, it's a five minute major.
2: Yeah, the whole thing is very twisted to me. And I, I, I'm not sure exactly what Mickelson's end goal is because you know, I think he still wants to play in the big events on the PGA Tour. Like I don't think he has quite the cojones to leave entirely. I think he's still gonna ask the PGA Tour, Hey, can I still play in the Masters and PGA championship and the US Open? I think he just wants the best of both worlds and I, yep. I think you're right. I, I think he thinks maybe a little more highly of his own influence here because most of the other top players in the world are not budging from the PGA tour. So I don't know if it's going to have Correct. a huge
0: impact. Correct. Well, coming up next, we're going to have the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes, but first, do you want smart post game reaction from the insiders that cover your favorite sports teams? Check out our locked on sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. get instant reactions from our locked on team hosts, along with prominent reporters like Kevin Gore for the Wild, Brandon Warren for the Twins, and Chalanga Langison for the Timberwolves. No fluff, just 10 minutes of straight analysts after each game. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube and never miss a podcast. Well, here we go. The Daily Three, that's three questions, three minutes. Sam, take it away. It was Meltdown City,
2: not only in Memphis for the Wolves, but the Wild as well. They lose to the lowly Arizona Coyotes at home last night, snapping a long, unbeaten streak. They lose 5-3. to three. Uh, Two games left in the regular season, Ron. Is this the Wild overlooking a bad team because they have their sights on the postseason?
0: Yeah. I mean, when you look at it right now, we know points matter. So all the points they're getting right now are going to matter when it comes. So their wins, uh, 51 and 22 blues, who they, you know, have to stay away from 49 and 21. So two games left. Can they blow it? Yeah. But the goals are going to matter. Points are going to matter. Um, I definitely think that that was a, it was a trap game. You know, uh, they, 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 they rose to the occasion versus the Kraken. Um, but again, when you see the lead that you have and you realize we could possibly lose two, just win. we just got to win one because then we put ourselves three games ahead. Uh, I think that's where they were at. That's kind of because they can't catch the avalanche. Um, but home ice, I mean, we're looking at home court right now. You, this is the reason like two and seven for the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies. This exactly what's happening right now is why you want home court because if you lose game six for the Grizzlies, you get to go back home. If you lose for the Timberwolves, you're done and you just don't have to get back on a plane. So that's the same thing in hockey. That's the same thing in football. Same thing in baseball. Home ice is important. But yes, I think it was completely just overlooked. Uh, I think it was a trap game. Those happen. It happens. There's trap games. All the Like the Detroit Lions are a trap game pretty much for everybody. Um, and they find ways to win games. So except for the Bears. The, the Bears can't consider the Lions a trap game. But that's where I think it, it is going to come down to for the wild. Um, they, you want to finish out strong. You don't want to lose the – you don't want to go into the playoffs on a three-game losing streak because then that becomes mental. You look at Ben Simmons. This dude missed free throws a series uh, – sorry, a year ago where he just got fouled and got put on the line. This dude is still struggling, and I'm not making fun of mental health. I'm saying that this is re- – like, that's real. Like, mental health, mental thought processes in sports is real. Kevin Love talked about it. You now see Ben Simmons sitting out an entire season, not wanting to come in game four because he's like, man, I just imagine myself getting fouled a ton, getting put on the line, and I got to shoot to keep, you know, either win the game or keep my team in the game. I don't want that pressure. Well, think about a team that's coming off a three-game losing streak. Now that's pressure. That's pressure for the goalkeeper. He's like, man, I got to be on my best for the playoffs now. I, I had a horrible finish. How do I mentally get myself out this hole? You know, are guys forcing shots on goal that are ill-advised just because they're trying to force the issue, and they should have made maybe one more pass to their teammate before he takes a shot on goal. So you don't want to go into the playoffs with a three-game losing streak. So, yeah, I I definitely think it was a trap game, though.
2: Yeah, I said this about the Wolves late in the season. They got crushed by the Wizards at home, and I said, hey, one game sometimes is a good wake-up call. So I think that's what that's going to be here for the Wild. Uh basketball question. Top two seeds mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference made quick work of their opponents. The Heat clinched their series over the Hawks in five last night, and the Celtics the day before clinched their series in four. A sweep of the uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving-led Nets. So of those two teams in the East run, do you think either of them is a
0: uh, serious title contender? Which one would you take? i take the Celtics. Um, I take the Celtics because Jason Tatum is ridiculous. Like, we already know he got the max contract. We already know he got the money. Um, Came from Duke. But he has gotten better and better. It's amazing to me that early in the season, people wanted to split him and Jalen Brown up. People were actually saying, maybe we need to split them up. We need to, to, like, keep Jason Tatum. But we need to get somebody else in there. Jalen Brown has also played out of his mind. Now, partly because the Nets suck um and not like as an athlete they are great athletes kyrie irvin my opinion one of my he's my favorite point guard like i like him over steph curry just because of what he can do with the basketball uh steph Curry's a ridiculous shooter i, I put kyrie in a different echelon because he's a true point guard um he's also you know he's just he's a competitor You look at kevin durant he's a unicorn you're not going to find somebody with his size his height his wingspan that can shoot and dribble the way he does now this is the thing he said when i play with the warriors I was able to spread the floor out. I had a lot more freedom. There's a lot. With the Nets, he's getting double teamed in late in the games. You can't double team him with the Warriors. And that's where he's learning. Now, if you think about the Nets, they were supposed to have James Harden. I think that takes the double team away because you can't double Durant when James Harden can shoot your lights out. When you get Seth Curry, not Steph, Seth, Seth, not Steph, <laughs> Seth is not Steph. He does not scare me he does not make me want to leave kevin durant like he doesn't there's no way i'm leaving kevin durant if seth is over there now steph yeah yeah steph's over there james harden's over there okay i can't just leave that dude wide open and i think that's what people keep forgetting is the nets were supposed to be this three-headed monster uh iso ball like steve nash did uh when he played and Then you change to this two-headed monster, and you don't have a third guy in your offense. You don't have a third outlet passer. Kyrie drives, he should have been able to dish it left or right if somebody doubles. James Harden drives, he should have been able to dish it left or right if somebody doubles. Kevin Durant drives, he should, same thing. And so when you don't have that third guy, and then there was some turmoil. You know, people are learning now, your friend is not my friend. And that's what James Harden and Kevin Durant learned early. We're boys, but your boy ain't my boy. Kyrie and James Harden, I don't know if it was the vaccination stuff. I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was Kyrie's moodiness in the locker room. Um, some people can only deal with one moody person. Like I look at my kids. If I had two moody kids, I probably wouldn't come home. I only have one, my seven-year-old. My 11-year-old can deal with her. But if I had both of them be moody, oh, no. I'm not coming home. I'm doing podcasts 24-7. I'm just staying in the office. I'm working. And so that's where I look at where James Harden left. And and I think that's the problem is that's the team that was set up. I think the Celtics made quick work of it, but I think they're better than the Heat.
2: Yeah, and I like the, those complimentary players too. Horford and Smart, really, really important to that team too. Yes. E- ESPN Nations, NFL Nation I should say, uh, held their mock draft at ESPN last night, and uh, they had the Vikings taking cornerback Derek Stingley Jr., With the 12th pick. That's been the name that's been mocked a ton to the Vikings. So if that happens tomorrow, Ron, are you happy with that pick?
0: Yeah. If it happens, I'm happy with it. But Because now everybody's saying he might not get past the Jets. Like, he might not make it past 7, 8, 9, or 10. And so now the question becomes, is he your guy? Because we've always heard this. If he's your guy, do you try to trade with a team that is not going to drop back that far, that maybe doesn't want him? And their guy's still going to be there the other thing is the sneaky pick that could happen is jordan davis out of georgia a big body in that 3-4 defense with the guys they already have on that defense you had a guy like jordan davis at 6 6 340 pounds that's a monster in the middle that's a true nose tackle that's a true two-gapper, a guy that can really just eat up space, leave your three-and-five technique free to go one-on-one, leave your outside linebackers, whichever one you decide to rush, whether it's Darius or, or Daniil Hunter, one-on-one with the tight end or tackle. So now you've created a lot of havoc. You've created a guy that loves football, a guy that came from a big-time program that beat up on some offensive linemen that are really good at Florida and Alabama. Alabama, we know their, their linemen are good, and he beat up on Alabama. So when you look at that pick, too, it could happen. And then you still have an opportunity in the second and third round to get some quality corners. Kyer Elam continues to fall. He's a late first-round pick. He might be there in a second, though. Um, don't overlook the fact that you still have other guys out there like Andrew Booth Jr. Um, if Cam Dantzler is your guy, he's 3 and you think he can play in this cover-two you know, style 3-4 defense, where it's going to be a lot of two-man, um technique wise is just teaching a guy to trail uh jamming when you need to jam not letting him off the line of scrimmage um it can, it can get and then you know you're gonna probably play nickel a bunch cover two nickel uh with chandlin sullivan and we know he's good um and can hold his own in the nickel i i i, I do not disagree with the pick i like it i like Derek stanley but there's other options out there if you have to do it uh but yeah no thank get Derek stanley i'm happy
2: great situation for him to come in to be mentored by patrick peterson if he does is there a part of you ron that that looks at stingley's resume though and says well he had one really good year 2019 when lsu was beating teams by like 30 every game other teams were forced to throw he had six interceptions he was surrounded by a, a wealth of talent that was one of the most stacked college teams i've ever seen um, are you afraid that maybe that season was propped up a little bit just by being around an incredible defense and, and team overall?
0: No, because everybody said Joe Burroughs was one and done one year. Oh, yeah, you had Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Everybody said Jamar Chase. You had Justin Jefferson and, and and Joe Burrow, and you had a good defense. Everybody said Justin Jefferson was okay, but he's not better than Jamar Chase. Everybody was wrong. Joe Burrow's good. Justin Jefferson is good. Jamar Chase is great. Justin Jefferson is great. The gritty is awesome. And Derek Slaney is pretty good. So I I don't I don't hold that with anything because I think that, that coach in, that coaching group has done a great job to get NFL ready caliber players in that program.
2: All right. Bonus question. Quick thoughts. Um Usher showing up to the Wolves game last night and <laughs> sitting next to his lookalike John Morant's father, T.
0: Yeah, I'd say whoever set that up. Great job by the Grizzlies. That that was a great job by their marketing team to make that happen, to get, you know, Usher corp side seats next to T Morant. Uh T Morant, great job playing into the bit. Uh he's he's creating a a, 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 a lane uh, or a, a stream of income for himself now because now people are like actually seeing like hey, it, it might be worth putting him in a commercial. Like, don't don't I mean, you saw LeVar Ball is in a commercial with LaMelo, John Morant now being the most improved player. I think John Morant's going to have some commercials in his future doing the gritty and some other stuff with his dad and maybe even usher in the commercial. Like there's going to be some marketability, a marketability with what he just did. That was awesome. I love it. And I love the fact to see fathers supporting their sons. Like it, Again, black fathers, there's so many things out there where people try to downplay uh, the role of a a man in his kid's life, the role of a father, but especially in the black community. Like people just assume, uh, you know, you see all these jokes and all this stuff. Like it's great to see Carl Anthony Towns' dad and John Moran's dad there being positive impacts in their son's lives, being positive uh, people, you know, in the community, but still holding their own, being friends, not being about the antics, not... Not getting in trouble, not doing anything stupid. Like I, I love it, though. I love, I love the storyline. I'm pretty sure there's gonna be a thirty for thirty of Aau, Ja Morant, Carl Anthony Towns growing up, being friends, playing in this game. Dads at the game, getting you know celebritants now. They're 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 being shown and flown back and forth between both games because they're friends. And yeah, I, I love it. I absolutely love it.
2: Yeah, the dads are the stars of the series, and I loved when I went to Game Four. I don't know if the cameras ever caught this on TV, but when they were doing the T-shirt gun a couple times every yeah. game, they were giving T-shirts to Cat's to dad to throw out into the crowd, and he's running around throwing T-shirts. They, they both just seem like really good sports, and they're not like overly caught up in the, the rivalry or the officiating or, or what have you. seems like they're really enjoying themselves, so it's fun to see.
0: Yeah, that's what it's all about. Well, I want to thank you for joining us on the Ron Johnson Show. That's Sam Ekstrom. Make sure you check us out the rest of the week. It's going to be heavy draft talk the vikings are at number 12. what are they going to do well i'm ron johnson make sure you subscribe on youtube to the locked on sports minnesota podcast look for the ron johnson show as well as our other shows and you can also download and listen wherever you are wherever you get your podcast thank you and have a great day